Welcome back to a Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host Dustin. Here for my pod for your off-season Mavs. Um, we have been in the off-season for a while now, and so uh, we're going to do another pod talking about rumors, Mavs rumors, um, a little NBA Finals talk, and uh, Olympic talk with the free agency talk. So... Uh, We'll go ahead and start that off with uh, Mavs Rumors. And uh, if you look on Twitter, there's always Mavs Rumors. Sources say this, sources say that. Who knows who you know, the sources are and who you can trust, which it seemed to be what it's been for a long time. But the latest one is Rashawn Holmes. Um, the says the Mavericks are expected to pursue him. I, I do think that would be a fantastic signing by the Mavs. I, I do think um, adding DeRozan and Holmes would increase the depth of, the, of this team, even if you kind of go into next season with the same roster. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I know there are certain like salary cap rules about um, re-signing your players and going over the cap and stuff like that. I don't know if that's possible to say, you know, sign, you know, use your cap space on say DeRozan and Holmes and then re-sign um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, now Tim Hardaway Jr. will probably cost too much. He'll, you'll probably end up paying, he'll probably want something around 20 million a year. And I, I feel like if you brought in DeRozan, you're, you'd just be sending Tim Hardaway to the bench Especially brought in Holmes and DeRozan, because I'd fully expect Holmes to start along next to Porzingis and DeRozan to start along next to Luca, and then Dorian Finney Smith to be the other starter, probably because, you know, his defense and he, he's shown the ability to hit the three pointer consistently. And that's something that you, you know, you need in this league. So I, I feel like paying $20 million a year for a Tim Hardaway Jr. To come off the bench and you know, kind of be a streaky shooter would probably be paying too much. Um, so you would probably expect him to go, and then you would kind of bring in uh, probably like veteran minimum guys. I I don't know which ones uh, would be available. You know, again, I haven't you know looked through that uh, looked through free agents yet. You know, we're still we still haven't reached. Um, free agency so when that comes along I, i'll probably you know look around and see because ultimately i i want you know DeRosa number one um I, i've been saying that for a while uh i i think he's the best fit next to luca and he can create his own shot and i think he could still you know you can still have porzingis you you don't have to worry about um porzingis's uh, his output or, you know, his his play or his contribution, I guess is the right word, in the playoffs. I, I, I do, you know, one of the things that apparently he had said was that he was asked to stand in the corner because Kawhi was guarding him. And I do believe that's true. I, knowing, like, Rick Carlisle in Dallas, they've done it before. You know, and I, I still even remember, you know, during the press conferences... One after game like one or two, Porzingis made the comment that he was used as a decoy, and that's pretty much what it was. Dallas didn't want to 
run the pick and roll with Porzingis and Luca because you would be you'd be picking uh, Luca's defender with Porzingis, and all of a sudden you're switching and putting Leonard on Luca, and they didn't want that, and so that basically, you know, because the Mavs' offensive game last year was just garbage. I, I thought the guy running the offense, I don't know who it was, but they sure as heck didn't even do touch even close of the good job that uh, Paul Silas did. The guy that ran the offense last year was just garbage, and I hope that guy's gone. I hope he, whoever it was, I don't know who it was, whether it was Carlisle or there was an offensive coach, I don't know. I hope that guy's gone because I think he did a garbage job. And I was hoping that somebody would come in and be like, hey, guess what? Two years ago, uh, Porzingis and Luca worked. So what changed? Nothing. The, the roster was almost identical. Almost identical. The only difference was Seth Curry and Josh Richardson. That was it, right? Because, you know, Justin Jackson and DeLon Wright were obviously part of the offense and maybe, you know, part of the rotation a bit. But when it comes to main players, it was Richardson and Curry. That was it. That was your only change. Everybody else remained the same. And you couldn't figure it out. And so that told me that the whoever was calling plays, the coaches or whatever, that you're designing the offense, that told me, after all that, it told me that the, it was the coach's problem, not the player. And I, I get it. The player should have done more. But he's still a young player. You know, Parzingis is, what, 24, 25? But he still hasn't been in the league very long. You know, he missed an entire season and a half. So you got to kind of take that into account. And he just, he probably has never been properly developed. You know, Rick Carlisle isn't into developing players. That's just how it is. And I just, I, you know, everybody loves to point out Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxie. That's all they can point out, though. And But they fail to realize that they only won 20 games when they were trying to develop those guys. So stuff like that doesn't count you know you can't say oh we developed these two guys well yeah you won 20 games that's why he was forced to he was probably the wrong coach to have during a rebuild you know if you've got a veteran team rick Carlisle's your man if you've got a young team don't waste your time with them because guess what you will not develop anybody and he's probably going to butt heads with someone on the team so especially a young player he's going to you know, ruin the confidence of some young player and you'll never see him again, a la Roddy Boubois, right? You know, Boubois probably had some promise, but he ran into the buzzsaw that was Rick Carlisle, and the rest is history. So, uh, anyhow, I, I, I think that if you were to bring in DeRozan and Holmes, I, I think that starting five with Dorian Finney-Smith is just as good as any five in the league. Um, I would put them up against anyone. I really would. And I know a team like Brooklyn has a lot of scoring with Harden and uh, Kyrie and Durant. But at the same time, there's only one basketball. So you, it's just I, I do think they're beatable. I don't think it's going to be easily beatable, but I think they're beatable. And I, I, I think adding Holmes and DeRozan would be um, the best start, uh, the best fit, those two guys. Now, there's some other guys that, uh, you know, have been linked to the Mavs that 
I, I think would fit, but I don't think they would be good as combination. You know, obviously, if you don't bring in DeRozan, I, I don't know who you, who you bring in. A lot of people want to bring in Kyle Lowry, and I got to tell you, I'm not interested. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I, I think a lot of people see Kyle Lowry and say, oh, he could do for Luca what Chris Paul did for Booker, and I say that's garbage. Uh, you know, Booker isn't Booker doesn't do anything to make his team better. He doesn't do anything to make his team better. He did it for a couple games in the playoffs, and I thought he had kind of turned a corner. And I even made a few comments about it. But as the finals went on, once Chris Paul struggled, Phoenix struggled. And Booker was just, you know, being a volume shooter. And so it was like, well, what's he doing to make his team better? And it's like, well, he's not doing anything to make his team better. You know, the the games that they played without Chris Paul, I thought he did a good job. But I he just he I, I just felt like he he isn't the guy that I think people want to think he is. And I think if Chris Paul goes to New York, I I do think there's a pretty good I think there's a greater than fifty percent chance that Phoenix doesn't even make the playoffs. Because I, I just don't think Booker makes your team he doesn't make his teammates better. And so Chris Paul makes his teammates better. And so does Luca. And but Luca doesn't need a Kyle Lowry to help him make his team better. Luca already does that. And Kyle Lowry is nowhere near the player that Chris Paul is. Nowhere near the player. Chris Paul is a top fifty player in this league. He's a top fifty in the history of this game. I don't even know if Kyle Lowry would make a top 100. I, he's a good player. I get it. He won the finals with Kawhi, and he was a good complement player for Kawhi. He's what Kawhi needed because Kawhi needs somebody to handle the ball for him. And I just, you know, he probably would be better in Philly than he would be in Dallas. You know, uh, Lowry would be. And I, I fully expect a team like Philly to go after him. And I just don't want to spend $25 million on a player who probably would average 15 a game when you could spend $25 million on DeRozan who could probably average 23. And that's just how it is. I, I would rather pay DeRozan over Lowry, and I just I don't want any part of Lowry. I, I, I would rather probably re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. as much as I, you know he frustrates me sometimes, but... I just don't want any part of that. I don't think he's a good fit. Um, another guy's Lowry Marketing. I I do like Lowry Marketing. I, I think he's a talented player, but I, I think if you're going to bring in Lowry Marketing, you're going to trade Porzingis. That, that's to me. That's the only way you do it. You would bring in Holmes and Marketing, and you would trade Porzingis and get back guys to kind of fill the role that you may have, you know, needed to fill with. Um, DeRozan, but even then, I, I don't think you're as good. Um, I, I think you're a better team than you are. You were last year, maybe. I, I can't even guarantee that because how many games is Marketing going to play? For as many games as Porzingis misses, Marketing misses a lot more. So I, I'm not 100% sure I'm on board with all that. Um, another guy, uh, I guess, that's been rumored is uh or not been rumored but another guy that i'd be curious about if you were to say if you were to if you were to maybe 
sign if you were to sign DeRozan, I would be curious to see if Blake Griffin were interested in playing with the the Mavs because I, I do think if you got the Blake Griffin in Brooklyn and he's he's got a um, he's he's going into an offseason where he's actually healthy so he's not recovering from an injury and I I think he could help um, I think he could help this team I I think that he would fit next to Porzingis very well I liked the defense he played against Giannis last year in the playoffs or this past playoffs. I thought that was fantastic when, you know, Brooklyn played Milwaukee. I thought his defense against Giannis was fantastic. Obviously, in today's NBA, the rules are kind of set up to where, you know, you're not going to stop a superstar player because they're just, the league's not going to allow it. But the idea is to make it very difficult for them. You know, wear him out, make it hard for him to score. And I thought Blake Griffin did a really good job at that. And so if Blake Griffin were available, I, I do think he's a free agent. I don't know what Brooklyn's going to pay or want to pay or going to bring him back or how much they can pay. But I'd be interested to see um, Blake Griffin on this team. Now, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, if Phoenix were to re-sign Chris Paul, uh, Blake Griffin could really help that team. Um, one of the things I felt Phoenix lacked was size. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't think they win that Lakers series if the Lakers are healthy. I, I think just the Lakers dominate them and that's it. But I just think if Paul re-signs, a good player for Phoenix to sign would be Blake Griffin. Now, I, I don't know, according to, you know, some of these, yeah, I'm actually looking on Twitter, and I guess ESPN or something had, you know, showed that Chris Paul has a $44 million player option, and some people believe he's going to turn that down. And uh, some people believe he's going to turn that down and re-sign a longer-term deal. And I, I think the Knicks would be all over that. Honestly, I, I think adding Paul to the Knicks would be a big deal. Now, another guy was Nerlens Noel um, that was rumored for the play for the Mavs, or Mavs are going to go after. Um, honestly, I don't know which one I'd rather have, whether it's Noel or Holmes. Um, I would like both of them. I think DeRozan and Noel would probably be just as good as DeRozan and Holmes. Um, I do like Nerlens Noel. I do think it's funny that you know that was a rumored guy to uh for the Mavs to pursue because you know the Mavs offered him a large contract and he turned it down and from what I understand he's not even made because I think they offered him 17 million a year and from what I understand from the time he turned that down to now he's yet to make 17 million dollars when he could have been making that in one year um I do think he fired his agent after that which was quite funny um Obviously, Noel's going to get a good contract, and, you know, he's going to have plenty of money, but, you know, turning down, the money he turned down was comical. And uh, I think he turned down $17 million a year. He ended up signing for, like, four or something like that somewhere else. And things like that just cracked me up. So, obviously, he's 
kind of come to earth of what his value is and the fact that the Mavericks kind of overvalued him and nobody else did. He probably should have uh, thought better about it, but he didn't. So I would be interested, you know, I, I think Nerlens could play next to um, Porzingis. I'd, I'd, you know, Porzingis, when he started in the league, he always had a big playing next to him. So I'd be interested to see um, a big, a real, a true big next to him. I think, you know, Dwight Powell has played next to him, but Dwight Powell's not really a true big. He's he's li- he's probably more or less a backup center. Um, the way Powell ended the season last year, I, I think coming off the bench with him and Maxie coming off the bench like they used to uh, back when they kind of first got the two, you know, had both guys on the team. That was always a really good combination. And I, I believe when it was Powell, Maxi, and Berea, they had like one of the most efficient benches in the entire league, something like that. I remember because Berea was having kind of a career year, you know, several years back when he came back to the Mavericks. And uh, I think when he played with Powell and Maxi, because Berea is real good at pick and rolls. Um, he's fantastic at the pick and roll and it would be one thing that I would like to see is you know they're talking about Berea maybe joining the summer league staff along with Tyson Chandler I I would really like to see a guy like Jalen Brunson play a little more like Berea Um, Brunson I I like Brunson but Brunson struggled mightily in the playoffs because I think he's kind of one-dimensional. He he's always just looking for a shot. He he never really looks for his teammates, and I think everyone knows that. And you know he doesn't average very many assists. And not that I need him to average you know eight assists a game, but you know come on, give me five. You know it's like you're the backup. You're supposed to initiate the offense when Luca's on the bench, and he just didn't do that. And I would like to see him do play more of a J.J. Barea role, you know, run and pick and roll, because I, I don't think Barea ran pick and roll. And I, I think it would behoove him to do that. And I, I just, you know, for for me, having Barea would help Brunson more than anyone if he would just listen and kind of mimic what Barea did. Because Barea, one of his things was getting to the rim. That's what he did. And Brunson's good at that. Um he struggled with it, and maybe, you know, learning from Berea would help. So I, I'm interested to see. I hope I hope Berea is one of the coaches. Um, Tyson Chandler, you know, he obviously could teach defense to some of these guys. Um, I would like to see Powell learn to play defense. I don't know. Uh, he's funny thing about Powell is he's so athletic, but he can't block a shot, which has always perplexed me. But... I just, I would be interested to, uh, you know, see how that goes. But uh, other than that, I don't think there's many, you know, guys that are rumored at this moment. There, I'm sure there will be, obviously, as we get closer, um, as we get closer to free agency, you're going to hear more and more rumors. So, um other than that, I guess we'll move on to the NBA Finals. I won't spend too much time. You know, like I said, this is a Mavs pod, and 
there are a lot of pods out there that I'm sure people listen to that, you know, covered the finals extensively and stuff like that. And I know I've, I'm not really done that, but, you know, there wasn't really a Mavs. Um, you know, it didn't really have anything to do with the Mavs. So I just would bring it up and um, would... Uh, I'm just reading here that, you know, another guy, and I kind of forgot, and I, I hate to kind of go back, but another guy was John Collins. John Collins is a guy that could play next to um, Porzingis. I kind of forgot about him. John Collins is a guy that could play next to Porzingis, and uh, this, you know, story says that Atlanta's extended the qualifying offer, which makes him a restricted free agent. So I believe that there are going to be a lot of teams pursuing him. Um, I, he would fit the Mavericks. The only thing is, if he's if you sign John Collins, you're not getting DeRozan. So, I think I would rather have DeRozan in the backcourt rather than Collins in the frontcourt because I I think you can get a cheaper guy in the frontcourt to play with Porzingis to help him on defense than you could get, you know, a guy in the backcourt to help be a shot creator, you know, next to Luca. So that's just my my opinion. I used to want him, but. I would rather have DeRozan and a cheaper big like Noel or, or Holmes over Collins and a cheaper backcourt guy because I don't even know who you would get. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in Cameron Payne, you know. So I know he was in the finals and he had one or two good games, but I, he's just – I'm not interested. So anyhow, back to the NBA Finals. Uh, of course, Milwaukee wins if, you know, you're an NBA fan. Um, it was a really good finals. Um, Milwaukee winning four in a row was kind of impressive. You know, it's always tough to me to win four in a row. I heard a lot of people saying that Chris Paul was injured or this. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like it was a lot of excuse making because the fact is, is Giannis was injured. And we could see, we saw Giannis's injury. And... Some people felt that was the end of his season, you know. Some people felt that not only was it the end of his season, but because the way the schedule is going to be for next year, he was going to miss all of next year, you know, because we're starting the season in uh, three months. You know, September is around, you know, September's two months away, and um, that's when training camps start. So some people believe that Giannis was going to be out for the season plus next year with that injury. And it turned out just being a hyperextension. And he was basically playing hurt the entire finals. You, that's not just an injury that's going to heal itself in a, in a week. And you could tell he didn't know, like if you notice, he didn't do any Euro steps. He couldn't do, he couldn't do a Euro step. And so he had to adjust the way he played basketball because of his injury. And, you know, some people were saying that, oh, Chris Paul's got to be hurt because he's letting Pat Payne initiate the offense. Well, what if Chris Paul's just tired? You know, Chris Paul's an old guy. Um, can he not just be tired? I know some people don't like that. But I just didn't see anything. And I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I'm just not as observant as other people. I just didn't see anything to me that implicated an injury for Chris Paul. I saw more of a guy who was tired. I saw more of a guy who was being picked up full court by Drew Holiday, a fantastic defender, and who probably just got worn out. You know, I, I'm sorry, but 
this is the end of the year. These are the last games of the season. Everybody's got some sort of injury. Everybody's got some sort of banged up. And like I said, we all saw Giannis's injury. And to say that, oh, Chris Paul's hurt. Nah, I don't, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. Um, I, you know, I just think Milwaukee was the better team. I thought Milwaukee was the better team pretty much, pretty much all year until obviously Brooklyn brought, you know, Harden in and they had that, you know, they brought in Blake Griffin and then LaMarcus Aldridge. I, you know, I felt, you know, obviously Aldridge didn't finish the season, but I, I kind of felt that Brooklyn was the best team. But Milwaukee was the second. And once Brooklyn had the injuries, I just felt Milwaukee was the best team. Now, when the finals finally happened and Phoenix went up 2-0, you know, obviously some people felt that they were going to sweep or win in five or whatever. But, you know, I wanted to see how it kind of played out with the two home games for Milwaukee. And the first home game for Milwaukee was a blowout. And the second home game was closer, but, you know, Milwaukee still pulled it out. And so, you know, game five is obviously always the important game. And to have, I, I guess, you know, some of the adjustments that were made. Um, and one of the things that's brought been brought up on other pods is the way they kind of stopped the corner threes. They they didn't allow Phoenix to shoot the corner three. And, you know, when you watch the game, you know, after someone had brought it up on, a, on another pod I was listening to, it, you know, once you watch, you they were right. You know, they, they really didn't give up that corner three. But another thing I noticed they did after the first couple games was it seemed like all they did in practice, they must have practiced the, the defense on the pick and roll. Because I thought their pick and roll defense in the last four games was spectacular. I, I thought every guy played it well. Now, obviously, every once in a while, somebody is going to, um, you know, it, it's going to run a good play. It happens, right? These are professionals, NBA player. Obviously, they're going to win some, you know, on that pick and roll. But I, I thought for the most part, Milwaukee played every pick and roll great. I thought the fact that Phoenix only had one big to use for that pick and roll really helped Milwaukee in guarding that because you could you could essentially play either Portis, Lopez, or Giannis. And the way they were defending the pick and roll, it, it kind of it didn't matter. They they kind of stopped putting um they stopped putting the bigs on the island and they were able to play the pick and roll very well. And I you know that's one of the most difficult things to defend in the NBA is the pick and roll. So um, I just, you know, obviously with Milwaukee, with with Phoenix players, it's always going to be a role. Whereas, you know, one of the things that the Mavericks did, especially in the 2011 championship, is Dirk could roll or he could, you know, pop out and hit a three. And so, you know, the way that Terry and Dirk used to play the pick and roll you know, they kind of, you know, dominated it in those playoffs. So it was a good finals, though. I enjoyed it. I watched every game. I uh, I was rooting for Milwaukee. I'm a big Giannis fan. Um, I wanted Dallas to draft him back um, 
you know, back when he was available. And, you know, because I, I, I listened to some of the um, things, especially like, like I paid attention to some of the European players because one of the things that was almost guaranteed was that Donnie was going to draft a European player. And so I listened to all the talk about some of the European players and Giannis was one of the guys that, you know, some people were talking about and I wanted Dallas to draft him. I, I you know, when Dallas had that pick, it, I believe they had like the, th- I can't remember what number it was. It was like 13 or something. And I thought, you know, Dallas should draft this guy. You know, he's he's a guy that can obviously probably come off the bench and help you. And obviously it's a rookie, so you're not paying him a ton of money. But now we, we decided to trade back and drafted Shane Larkin, who is playing in Europe right now. And I believe he's teammates with. Rodrigue, Rodrigue Beaubois. And, you know, Shane Larkin just wasn't an NBA player. Um, I, I The first time I saw him play in the NBA, I knew he wasn't an NBA player. And it was just... I, it's one of those things where I, I wish... I wish people would, A, listen to the scouts, you know, and B, stop trying to save money for players you're not going to get. And that seems to be what the Mavs have been doing for the last 10 years. And it's very frustrating, and I've talked about it in the past. But, you know, but again, like I said, I was rooting for Giannis. And I wanted to see, I wanted to see Milwaukee win. So I was happy about that. Um, I It'll be interesting to see, you know, what Milwaukee does with their team. And, you know, how they, you know, they'll probably bring in some veterans. They're a team now that... Veterans will want to play on, you know, because they. I feel like they have enough holes to where you could, you know, like with Brooklyn, you've got three guys already that you are going to get the majority of the minutes. And with Milwaukee, you've got three guys. But then with Brooklyn, Joe Harris is making a lot of money, so he's going to get minutes. And... Obviously, you got Blake Griffin making a not really a lot of money, but he's a good player. So I feel like if you want more playing time, I think more veterans would be willing to play for Milwaukee, and I, that's just how I feel. I know somebody will probably you know listen to this and say I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. Whatever. I just think I just feel like a veteran would be more likely to play with Milwaukee over Brooklyn just because of the way Brooklyn roster is set up. So, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, guys like to play with, you know, Durant and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm excited about free agency coming up. You know, I want to see who goes where. And then after free agency, probably sometime towards the end of August, beginning of September, I'll probably do my, you know, NBA predictions. It'll probably be closer to September because I think that's when all the free agents will kind of, the main ones will be where they are, right? So uh, during September, I'll probably put together a, you know, NBA kind of prediction podcast. Um, It'll be, you know, 
there's going to be some moves that are going to, you know, the status of guys like Lowry and Chris Paul are going to affect who, you know, I put in the playoffs and who I don't. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, up next is the Olympics. Uh, now, I believe the USA team plays on Sunday. And where I am located in the Dallas area, I think they play at 7 in the morning on Sunday. And the Slovenian national team, I believe they play at 11.40 at night on Sunday. So I'm going to try and watch both. I'm going to get up early and watch the USA team, and then I'm going to stay up late for the Slovenian team. Um, I'm eager to see Slovenia. I think USA plays France. Um, I used to have the schedule in front of me. Um, I, I don't have it right now, but I think USA plays France the first game, which would be interesting. You know, the French team isn't bad. They actually have a lot of NBA players. Um, with the rules in international play about no three seconds for the def- defense, um, Rudy Gobert being allowed to kind of hang out in the paint is a big deal. Um, another thing that helps with having Rudy Gobert is the rule about the ball hitting the rim. Once the ball hits the rim, you can knock it off. And I think having a guy like Rudy Gobert down there really affects the game in international play big time. And I know earlier some people were complaining that the international game is set up to um, make it hard on NBA players. And I just, I laughed. That cracked me up because it's like, you know, the whole narrative has always been as European players were soft. And then it's like, well, now NBA players are playing a European game and all of a sudden it's the rules are made to make it harder for NBA players? Well, I, I don't understand that. I didn't understand that. It made me laugh. And whoever had... I think it was Windhorst. Windhorst is a putz. I'm sorry. Brian Windhorst is a putz. And he just... He talks out his whatever. And... He just says things that he's, I don't know, maybe he's eating too much and it's all that, all that fat's going to his head because he just says the dumbest things here lately. And, you know, it's one of those things that's like the NBA game is, or the European game is closer to the college game than it is the NBA game. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? People like the college game better than they do the NBA game. People think the NBA game is has a lot of trash to it. You know, some of the rules in the NBA game need to go. Like, some need to be added. You know, this whole rule about a guard can be running and being chased by someone. Well, then he can just stop. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the guy runs into him and, oh, foul. And it's like, no, you got to take that out, you know. It's like this, there, there's a lot of rules that got, that I would love to see bring brought to the NBA that's part of international basketball and you know the foul calling or the lack thereof in in the international game is way better than the NBA and that's why I that's one of the reasons why I enjoy the international basketball games because I like to see basketball I don't like to see foul shots and so in the NBA, you just get a bunch of foul shots, and that gets annoying after a while, you know, because you get the flopping, and the officials fall for the flopping in the NBA, and I think that's garbage. I would love to have that taken out of the basketball, or the NBA, so 
I'm interested to see. I I think Slovenia plays Argentina. I believe they they play Argentina, then Japan, and then Spain. Um, if they can beat Argentina and Japan, I'd be willing to bet that regard their the outcome of the Spanish game wouldn't matter. They could, you know, because I think the top two teams from each. Because uh, I think there's three groups, and I think the top two teams from each group advance to, I guess, their playoff or whatever. So I would love to see Slovenia obviously win the first two and having the Spanish game not as important. Um, the Spanish still have a good team. Um, the Gasol brothers are not the same as they used to be. Um, there's a lot of guys that aren't on that team that used to be because of age. So they're not as dominant as they used to be. And, you know, Slovenia, I think, has a lot of young, talented players, and pretty much all of them can shoot. So I'm interested to see that matchup um, just because, you know, I, if, like I said, if, if Slovenia can beat Argentina and Japan they won't have to worry about the outcome of the Spanish game and they can, um, I don't want to say relax, but it, it's not a, it's not a detriment to the team if they lose. So, um, Argentina has, I believe, uh, the, the guy who played at, uh, Phoenix and his, his name is, um, his name, I've lost, I forget his name, and I'm sure some people are yelling at the their pod right now saying his name, but uh, Argentina is not the team they used to be, um, so I do believe Slovenia can beat them. Um, they are a good team, but I do think Slovenia can beat them. Japan isn't good at all. Japan's in it because they're the host country, and host country's teams get in, and so Japan's in it because of that and only that. Um, they do have, I believe, two NBA players, but, you know, Hachimura is good, but he's not great. And then the other guy is just kind of a bench player for Toronto. So, Luis Scola is the guy for Argentina. And he's in his 40s, but he's still a productive player. And so is Pau Gasol, for that matter. Pau Gasol, you know, in that game against the USA team the other day, you know, USA beat Spain, but, you know, Pau Gasol played, and he's still a pretty good player. He's not the guy he used to be, and that those times are gone. But I'm interested to see, you know, how these first few games go. And, you know, there are some good teams. You know, Australia's got a good team, and uh, I know that Nigeria's got a good team. So those are going to be tough games for Slovenia, but I, I really want to see how this goes. With Luca, I, I do think Luca's is one of the best players in the world, and I think that's a big deal. And when you're playing against other countries who don't have the best player in the world, I think that's a difference maker. So um, I'm interested to see how that goes. And um, I guess finally, um, after the Olympics is the draft, or actually the draft is during the Olympics. Uh, 
I figure Cade Cunningham will go number one. I'm not a draft board guy. I don't do any draft coverage or draft anything. I don't know much about any of the players. Um, the one guy I do know about is Cade Cunningham, and from you know, I think Cade Cunningham is from this area, and he played at a Big Twelve school at Oklahoma State, and so I did see him play. I think he's a talented player. Um, I think in the past I, I've compared him to Paul George, and I don't think that's a bad comparison. Some people might think of that as like an insult. I don't think that is. Paul George is very talented. Um, I, I'm not going to say, you know, when you when I compare guys, I would, I'm comparing their style of play, not, you know, if Paul George had the mentality of, I don't know, uh, name another guy, of um, Kawhi, you know. Paul George doesn't have the same mentality of Kawhi. And so, you know, Paul George is just, he's he's a fantastic player, but there's just things he just can and can't do. And I think... Cade Cunningham's skill set is similar to Paul George. And I think the difference between the two guys will obviously be Cade's mentality and his mentality towards winning and stuff like that. And I'm not saying like Paul George is not a winner and stuff like that. He did a fantastic job against, you know, Phoenix and Utah without Kawhi. And that's the Paul George people remember. And a lot of that's going to be forgotten because they lost. But Paul George had a fantastic series against Phoenix, and you know it's it's going to be forgotten. But I think Cade Cunningham can be that player. I you know he'll probably be more of a ball distribution person more than Paul George is. You know he'll probably distribute the ball more than Paul George. But I think the way he scores the ball is very similar. Um, he's probably more of a passer in the sense of like, say Trey or Luca, where they're setting up players. You know, Paul George isn't like that. Paul George can't do that. I don't. I don't think he's that kind of player. Not that he can't do it. I just don't think that's his game. But I think Cunningham's scoring reminded me of Paul George. But you know, he is a guy that can distribute the ball. I guess that's what I kind of should have said at the beginning, but I I kind of, I guess I worked my way to it. So, you know, I guess he's already embraced going to Detroit. He's went to a baseball game already in Detroit. Um, I guess he's excited about going there. Now Detroit has Jeremy Grant, who is a good player. Now he, he put up really good stats, but a lot of people contribute that to the fact that someone had to put up stats because obviously they're a really bad team. But they do have some good young players on Detroit. And, I, you know, Detroit is an hour ahead in our time zone here. And, you know, I do get the league pass. And, you know, games that start at six are typically boring games. But there are a couple teams... Like Charlotte, for instance, that's a fun team to watch. And, you know, that was one of the teams I started watching when, you know, LaMelo Ball, you know, made that really fun, you know. And I'm interested to see Cade Cunningham on Detroit. I think he can make Detroit 
kind of a fun basketball team. I, I think they'll have a nice young core to build with. So um, that'll be interesting to see. And after the draft is uh, Summer League. Summer League is August, kind of early part of August. And I think the Mavs will have a couple players there. I'm pretty sure Tyrell Terry will be there, probably Nate Hinton and Tyler Bay. I don't think Josh Green will be there. Uh, Josh Green is on the Olympic team for Australia. Um, you know, I, you know, some people were putting together trade scenarios, and one of them involved uh, Josh Richardson and Tyrell Terry to New Orleans for someone. I can't remember who it was, but, or maybe it was Houston for Eric Gordon, but. My whole thing was, is I, I think, honestly, I and I've said this, and I kind of commented on Twitter, I said this, I was like, I, I would rather trade probably Josh Green than I would Tyrell Terry. You know, Josh Green's a good defender, but I, I he, his offense, his lack of ability to contribute on the offensive end is very frustrating to watch and I you know I watched Australia play the US team and Josh Green just did not contribute and he's on a team where you know it's not exactly full of all-stars like the USA team and he's in a position where he can contribute if he chooses to and he just he to me on the offense he looks lost. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, defensively, he's actually really good. Uh, he's good at staying in front of the guy. His you know the guy he's defending. He's good at deflecting, get his getting his hands involved. You know stealing that stuff like that. He's really good at that, and that's something that you know the Mavs need. But his inability to contribute on the offensive end is frightening. And just really bad. And I think Tyrell Terry offers more on the offensive end than what Josh Green can give you on the defensive end. Because in the NBA, you're more allowed to play offense than you are defense. And so an offensive player at times can be more important, especially if it's going to be your 11th guy on the bench. I'd rather have an offensive guy over a defensive guy. So... You know, I know Terry didn't play last year, but Terry is a shooter. And I think in today's NBA, you need that's what you need. And Josh Green is not a shooter. He cannot hit the broad side of a bar. And this, this was one of old Harala Bob's draft picks. You know, I, I think Donnie wanted uh, either Bain or Sadiq Bey. And both guys probably were of the better pick. But Harala Bob, for whatever reason, said the analytics said Josh Green. And so I think we see where the analytics got us. Now, I think they also said Harala Bob drafted Tyrell Terry. But at the time, Terry got drafted. He was, in most people's eyes, the best guy on the board. You know, at the time, Terry got drafted in the second round. Most people felt that he was the best player on the board at that time. Because some people felt that he was a late first rounder and he ended up going in the second. So the Terry pick 
is to me the better pick than Josh Green, and I honestly I, I think I'd rather t- keep Terry because I think you can get from Nate Hinton what you got from Josh Green because Nate Hinton's a really good defender and he's probably a better rebounder than Josh Green. So, and he's probably a better shooter. When Nate Hinton and Josh Green got to play, Nate Hinton made more shots, and that's just what it boiled down to. So, and Nate Hinton's not had the um, reputation as a good shooter. So I think I would rather keep Tyrell Terry over Josh Green, and I, I think if there's a trade to be made, I would trade Josh Green. So um, other than that, you know, I, we're, I'll, be doing a, uh, I'll be doing a pod early next week. Um, I'll probably talk a little about the draft, but I'll be doing more rumors again. Uh, like I said, I, I don't know a lot about the draft. So you're not going to get a ton of draft coverage from me. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of pods out there that will do that, and they'll do a ton better job than I will. So I'm not even going to pretend. But I guess I'm going to go ahead and end the pod here. Um, if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can at the Mavs Outsider. Um, if you could rate and review the podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. And until next time, we'll see you later.